Well, Jim, this morning here, we have a special guest, John Ashman. Uh, John is the president of CityGate. Uh, He's based out in Colorado Springs. And, John, we are so glad to have you on the radio broadcast this morning. Thanks. It's great to be back in Ohio. Lots of relatives here, and so uh, I'm among friends. So our listeners may not be aware that Haven of Rest fellowships with other like ministries throughout the country, that there's cities all over the United States and really the world that have ministries that would be very similar to Haven of Rest. So share a little bit about what the City Gate is as an association and, uh, and really the heart of why we would all associate together. Well, it's CityGate Network, and it really has its roots all the way back to 1906, and that was when mission concept came across the Atlantic. Really, a lot of people don't know where a mission started. Where did all this begin? Mm -hmm. And it was back in the early 1800s that a, a man in Glasgow, Scotland, looked around and saw all of these young chimney sweeps who during the Industrial Revolution had nothing to do but work sweeping soot out of chimneys and they never went to school. And so he started a, a program at the Glasgow City Mission for them to learn how to read. Mm, That's wow. where, That was the beginning. And uh, to, here's some other social concerns that we need to look at. And so one after another, they began to pile up there at the Glasgow City Mission. They said, there's there's a lot of need out here in uh, during the Industrial Revolution. Well, that spread throughout the United Kingdom. It came across the Atlantic. And when it landed in New York, there was a man named Jerry McCauley who was a gang leader in the Five Points District of New York and ended up in prison. A lady came to visit him, dropped off a Bible, and uh, he read it. And there on that damp prison floor in Sing Sing, he, he said, God told him, you go back and you clean them up on the outside and I'll clean them up on the inside. Wow. And he started the uh, Jerry McCauley Water Street Mission, which it eventually became. And then uh, today that is part of the Bowery Mission in New York, which has been around for a very long time. So yeah, we're now about uh, 320 organizations in the U.S., Canada, and Caribbean that are part of the association. Well, you know, John, 16 years overseeing this, um, I remember when you took over the realm um, mm, yeah. 16 years ago. What was going on before you came to the, um, really the mission field for, for what you're doing now? You were doing other things that, that you were doing, and then the Lord led you yeah. to oversee yeah. this. Well, it's interesting. I'm the first person in 100 years to run the association who never ran a mission. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all mission superintendents. That's what they were called. You, you know the, the term. Uh, and uh, when they hired me, they said, you know, we've run this organization for 100 years as if it were a mission. Let's run it like it's an association. And they looked around, and I actually came from Christian Camp and Conference Association. So for 15 years, I was the COO at Christian Camping International which we changed our name back to Christian Camp and Conference Association. So I just slipped over to this association. And people said, John, that's, that's a huge leap. You're, you're um, leaving Christian camping. I mean, think of those places. You know, they're on the side of a mountain or down on the edge of a lake or deep in the forest. And, uh, and now you're working with organizations that are in, mostly in urban areas and mm-hmm. a lot of them high crime districts and certainly high poverty. And uh, my response was, well, just think about this. Whether you're running a camp or you're running a mission, uh, both of them feed people. Both of them sleep people. You have 
chapel services, you have education, and if you're in the operations, you have buildings and grounds and maintenance, and of course, you do HR and PR and fundraising. The only difference is that you go to a camp because it's a fun resort. You go to a rescue mission because it's a last resort. Mm -hmm. It's all about the ministry of hospitality, isn't it? Yes, it is. Our listeners, many are familiar with the work that goes on at Haven of Rest, but you've really, I, one of the things I appreciated uh, from the conventions through the years and stuff is you really jumped in with both feet to bring the church to the rescue mission and the rescue mission to the church. And uh, I think of uh, a curriculum that you developed that, that we've used materials from, the Invisible Neighbors, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of maybe a little earlier on in the process, but maybe share um, a little bit of, of your heart through the process of like bringing the work of rescue to the forefront um, and, and really having it be something that the broader church is aware of and participating in and, and how that, that give and take goes goes on. Yeah, there has to be a partnership if it's, if it's going to make sense, Jim. Um, the, the church in many cities, and you know, just say the churches in general, we'll call it the church, um, they want to be involved in everything uh, when it comes to working with families. And they know that the Bible says that we need to be doing something with the, with the poor, but most of them don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so what do we all do? We, we go to Matthew 25, 31 to 46, and we see that famous passage of the sheep and the goats, and we hear that Jesus is talking to, to both uh, both species and <laughs> saying, uh, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. It was, you know, talks about visiting in prison and, uh, and uh, caring for the sick. And, and the ultimate reward is uh, you can enter into what God has prepared because you took care of the least of these, my brothers and sisters. And the church looks at that list and, and they have prison ministries and uh, that's a little bit different than what missions are. Uh, they have um, visiting the sick in the hospital. That's a little bit different. But when it comes to those who are on the streets, they feed. And it's wonderful. People need food every day. But there's this, uh, this mindset of, I don't know what else to do, and so I'll just feed. And unfortunately, that feeding becomes um, more of an addictive behavior mm-hmm. uh, when you think about it. I mean, of course, they're on drugs in, in many cases, and there's mental illness in many cases. But I know that if I keep showing up here, somebody will feed me, and then I'll go away. And the church uh, does that. You know, you, you, t- you take a, a youth group. They go down to the park with pizzas, and, and they say, here, have a piece of pepperoni in Jesus' name. You know, and, they, and then they go back to the youth director's house, and they sit around, and they talk about what was going on. How did, how did you feel? And, and I talked to this old gentleman. His name was, and they go on. But unfortunately, that's more about how did the youth group feel and how did they uh, go through all of this and the emotions they felt. Those people are still down in the park waiting for the Methodist church to come tomorrow night with hoagies or something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we have to understand that most churches, unfortunately, don't know what to do with somebody who's been addicted to crack for 17 years. And that's why the partnerships of churches and missions have to be together. Yes. And so I encourage churches uh, to to support the missions, but also for all the missions to have a church relations person who goes out to all the small groups or to the pastors, associate pastors, and say, let us be your training grounds for the things you need to know about working with the poor. Absolutely. And you, Jim, we know this, John, you know this through other missions, working with the church, very important, educating them. That's why a lot of times we'll go out to churches and speak, share about what's happening at the mission, and, and talking about some of these issues, John, that uh, you wrote about in your book. 
In regards to conventions that you put on every year, these what I call national conventions, they all have a theme to them. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the purpose for these? Because it to me, when I think of them, they, they, it serves a multitude of purposes. But I know when you plan these, you mm-hmm. have to plan them far out in advance, right. probably two years out. And there's a theme behind them. Let's talk a little bit about purpose. Well, no one ever trains anyone how to run a mission, like what what you're doing, Jeff and Jim and the rest of the folks here. Uh, because when you run a mission, you, you're running a restaurant because you feed people. You're running a hotel because you're sleeping people. You're running a church, and you do all the things that I just previously talked about. And because of that, uh, you need a lot of education tracks if you're going to bring some of your staff, you bring people from the food service department, you bring people from the marketing department, people from the development group, you bring people in programming. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things together uh, are the, the conference, but we also have general sessions. We have about 75 seminars. We have five general sessions with a lot of networking. Uh, and you mentioned the themes. You know, before I came, um, the, the themes were God in the city, you know, or uh, his purpose, our calling, and have a lot of verses. Um, I kind of stood it on its head. Maybe it was my camping background, but I, the first convention, you probably remember this, Jeff, uh, the first convention that I ran, uh, the theme was calling all complainers. Mm-hmm. And people were shocked, like, right. that's almost sacrilegious. You know, I mean, I can't find that in the Old Testament. <laughs> and, and so uh, the reason we did that was because I just wanted to shake things up a little bit. But on the other hand, what I wanted to do was have people think deeper about what they're doing in the work that uh, goes on at their mission or ministry every day. And so... Uh, I put a soapbox in the middle of the floor and had a cordless mic, and uh, and I said, okay, now it's time to complain. And they said, what do you mean? Well, we complain all the time, too hot, too cold, you know, yes. too loud, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and it's not wrong to complain, but we need to be complaining about the right thing. So what is it that you want to complain about that's going on in your city that's really impacting that city, and something needs to be done to make a difference? And they said, go on, explain more. I said, well, the truth is many missions today are working on an inherited complaint. What do you mean by that? Well, it's a complaint that somebody else had years ago, and it maybe had to do with alcohol that was free-flowing in the city, and there were too many alcoholics, and so that was the mission. And then people were hired every year, people pass on, or they, they retire, move away. And those who are left are working on somebody's complaint about a social problem uh, that has spiritual ramifications that they have not really identified or, or personalized. Mm-hmm. So this... Uh, Nobody knew what to do with the soapbox and the microphone until this one girl stood up on the on it. She grabbed it and she says, "I am sick and tired of all these young girls showing up in the bus station in our city and having nobody there to pick them up, and they get whisked away by these people doing human trafficking." And she started weeping, and she sat down and quiet in the room. You know, suddenly people started getting, "Oh, we haven't been talking about that problem," and here's a new fresh complaint. A young guy stood up and he took the mic and he said. I can't tell you how it breaks my heart to see these young people rummaging through the medicine cabinets of their parents and and their relatives and friends that invite them over and the parents go out or whatever. And the opioid addiction for young people is so strong in our cities. And 
and I looked around at the box, and now there's a line forming with uh, you know with a, a half dozen to a dozen people on each side, each ready to pick up the microphone, and that is what builds the uh, momentum uh, to embrace what God would have these people to do to make a difference in their city, a difference that's relevant for the problems that are going on in the city at this at the, that very time. Very good. So much of I've been to several of the conventions. I know it's been super enriching for me. Um, the learning, the, the back and forth that goes on. And I really appreciate that whole sentiment. It's it's not so much about uh, you being the expert who's just going to tell everybody what to do, but there's there's a there's a bubbling up that happens as well. Like, here's the need, and, and there's this expression that goes back and forth as we meet the need, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. uh, I think of one of the things that's so great about rescue and, and rescue missions is uh, we love transformation, and we get to see lives transformed by Christ every day. And, and I know that being in the work, we're changed as well. So I want to ask one quick question. Um, how has being in rescue work now, even as an association level for the last 15, 16 years, how has God changed you through this process? Wow, I, I've come to appreciate um, the power of prayer from all of these people all over the country. Rex Whiteman, you probably remember yes, Wex and Kay. Uh, they're down in Western Kentucky now. Mm-hmm. But when I talk to him, he says, Judy, my wife, I hope she's doing well. She says, Kay and I pray for her every morning. Your picture's by our toaster. I said, well, move it away so it doesn't catch on fire. <laughs> but but I, I think I've just been impacted by the network and the power of prayer all the way around. And then the moving of the Holy Spirit when it comes to shaping what missions should be doing. Uh, I tell people there are four ways that we try to, to make a difference in the lives of people, or, or not we, but Christians mm-hmm. primarily leading society. You know, there's humanitarian aid where you drop off the bags of rice and drill wells and take doctors and nurses to a pandemic, you know, world vision, stuff yes. like that. And then there's com- community development. You know, that's what Shane Claiborne wrote about in his book. And Tony Campolo kind of led yes. a movement of youth on that for years. And then you have disaster relief. That's where you're floating down the river on, uh, on the roof of your house or on a car uh, trying to cross the river, and you're rescued by the National Guard taken to a gymnasium. You're in there, and the the Red Cross is providing food, clothing, and shelter until Habitat for Humanity comes around and helps you rebuild. And rescue missions is the fourth way. It's I call it life transformation. So you you have humanitarian aid, community development, disaster relief, and life transformation. Rescue missions take the lead in that. But what I saw happening, and this was when I you know, answering your question about you know God answering prayer and bringing people. People together, I saw most rescue missions were doing disaster relief and not life transformation. Mm-hmm. They were doing food, clothing, and shelter over and over again, mm-hmm. often to the same people who didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. And we're saying this has to be about moving people who are under a bridge tonight, who haven't eaten in two days. Uh, it's going to be below freezing, and the people who are chasing him for his shoes know where he is. But the mission can help. But I'm addicted. You know, I can't go farther. Well, we can help with addiction recovery. Well, I don't know anything. We can help with education. Well, I don't have any skills. We can help with career planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm mentally ill or I'm physically ill. Well, we can we can help with respite care. And you just go through all of these things right through helping people learn how to manage money, giving them training, and helping them procure housing, and showing them how to give back to the community. And these things all together is what life transformation is about. Mm-hmm. You have some people say, well, we only do the food clothing and we do addiction recovery. And I'm saying, that's fine. You can be in CityGate Network and, and keep doing those things well. 
but you need to be partnering with somebody who does education and you need to be partnering with somebody who does mental health assessments and you need to be partnering with people who can help with housing and all that. That is the whole part of life transformation that we've gotten together through people embracing the same thing and moving forward together. Very good. Well, John, I can't believe it. We're close to the end of the program here, Jim. So I'm going to ask you one more question here. and thank you for being a part of our broadcast here this morning. Glad how to can, do it. How can our listeners pray for you and the association? Okay. Uh, well, the association is um, uh, going through transition. So I've been here for, uh, for, for going on my 16th year. I've let the board know that uh, I'll be stepping down. Uh, at the end of um, June and become President Emeritus through the end of December of next year. Uh, it's still not known what we'll, what we'll be doing after that. Uh, the board says don't go too far away. I think there may be some things that we're doing. Uh, and we're doing these programs called Hope in the Gate at Amy Grant's Farm. And yes. People can see that www.citygatenetwork.org and wait for the picture to come around. The con- you can kind of see that. It's kind of blending the Christian camping, which is where I was, mm-hmm. uh, with the rescue missions, you know, 15 years in both associations there's great things happening there so just be praying about the transition and praying about the the new things that are coming off for me personally um, my wife's concerned that uh, what are you going to do because I this is my 15th year in a row to be a, a 1k with United it's a hundred thousand miles a year wow. but there's still opportunities there uh, particularly to influence kids and grandkids today is a milestone for our family because our oldest granddaughter becomes a teenager and so she's 13 today and so just um, that's you know pray for us as a family that we can now kind of turn attention to the next generation that's coming up and lead them well john what a pleasure to have you on today thank you and uh, we appreciate you being a part of this broadcast this morning. Thanks. And thanks for the great work you do here. Every time I come, I tell people this is one of the cleanest missions I've ever been to. And you guys uh, do a great job. And, and you have a, a, a long track record of that happening here at Haven of Rest. Well, thank you.